Culture Podcast by Three Geeky Millennials. I'm Louie Dobbs, a filmmaker in the D.C. area, and today with me, as always, for 100 episodes is... I'm Hua Chen Bui, a writer for Slash Film and a pop culture journalist in D.C. I am Anya Crittenton, a writer at Gay Star News. So as Willoughby said, friends, it is our 100th episode. It's very exciting. Um, and it just so happens to also be our last episode of 2017, so it kind of worked out perfectly even though 2017 was a bit of a harrowing year there were a lot of pop pop culture things we really liked this year and that's what this episode is going to be all about we're going to go through our favorite movies tv shows books video games music everything and we asked you guys our wonderful listeners to send us your own really likes and you did that so we're going to be sprinkling your really likes throughout the episode and talking about the great pop culture things of 2017. Are you guys ready? I'm ready. I am super ready. Are you guys ready to this s- celebrate 100 episodes? Celebrate That's- 100 episodes and a so-so year. So Okay, so... A so-so year. I think, I think there was one, one, one comedian on the Big Fat British Quiz, or whatever it's called. I love that show. Um, one, I can't remember his name, but he said, like, uh, the host asked him, how are you? And he said, personally adequate internationally atrocious (laughs) sounds about right but pop culture wise we have a lot of things that we liked this year and that's what we're gonna focus on yeah there was a lot of good things and i mean i have i i've printed out a whole list of things that i'm going to probably at some point mention but um yeah yeah. i would say that pop culture this year has been sort of a saving grace for me and i'm sure plenty of other people in an otherwise not so great year so I, I love, I'm really happy that we're doing this really like and sharing it with everyone so they can share what really made them happy in pop culture this year. It's kind of the, the ending tri- uh, three-part self-care episode trilogy we've yeah. been doing. Yeah, and like our kind of, you know, like everyone's doing their top ten list. This is like our top everything list. Yeah. Go big or go home. Yeah. Exactly. Um, okay, so why don't we start off with a, with a category? Yeah, so this episode is going to be split up by categories and our really likes in each category. And the first one is movies, movies. appropriately. So, Anya, so, why don't you go first? All right, um, that's pretty easy for me. I have, I have, do admit, I have been a bit woefully behind on movies this year, um, especially towards the end of the year, just for a variety of reasons. Um, but I do have a favorite film of 2017. What's your favorite that film of 2017? The Shape of Water. It's my number one film of the year. I adore it. Um, it was exactly what I needed this year because it's all about compassion and empathy um, and beating the strange, scary white man, which is a metaphor for the year <laughs> as a whole, I think. Um, and it's just beautifully directed by Guillermo del Toro. I really hope it wins lots of awards. Uh, so that's my number one film of the year. Awesome. There were a lot of good ones, but... So you think nothing else you'll see will beat it? I know I have I have a lot of 2017 movies still to see, but I I don't think anyone will beat it. Not the uh, Call Me by Your Name or Lady Bird. <sighs> That's the only one that I think might come close. But which one? We'll Call see. Me by Your Name. Call Me by Your Name. Yeah, yeah we'll see. I need to see it's that a very soon. Beautiful Speaking movie. of Call Me by Your Name, that is actually my number one oh, for the not year. Not the Shape of Water. No, not the Shape of Water. Actually, in terms of like my top ten of the year, Shape of Water is below Call Me by Your Name, Florida Project. And your name. Wow. I, you, I mean, you still love The Shape of Water. I still love The Shape of Water, but Call Me By Your Name just hit me in a way that I didn't expect to be affected. It was just like this really powerful um, and almost subtle love story. And this kind of ode to 
sort of lost souls who connect with each other. And I I really loved how hazy and dreamlike the entire movie is and how it just kind of taps into this almost inexplicable emotion about love and connection that uh, a few movies I think for me have have done before maybe like it reminds me a lot of the before movies which are my favorite films and kind of that has that similar um, through line of a beautiful lush European countryside uh, with people talking about life and everything like that and just kind of rambling and I like that kind of film it was a it was a movie that really impacted me so Call Me By Your Name was my number one. But I was waffling a lot between Call Me By Your Name and The Florida Project, which I think was a really beautiful film about like life on the periphery and almost a more slice-of-life film than the tragedy that it sort of, that sort of unfolds throughout it. Mm-hmm. So I do want to give a shout-out to that. But Call Me By Your Name is my number one. I might change right, my mind, Willoughby. but it's, like, it's that for now. <laughs> what is your number one film of the year? My number one is Logan. Which is not an Oscar frontrunner, unfortunately. It should be, because it's an amazing film. Um, we've talked about it on the podcast earlier this year, uh, around March, and that movie just hit me really hard. A lot of the, you know, I've, I've always been a big fan of Hugh Jackman's Wolverine and Charles Xavier, done by played by Patrick Stewart. And so I think all the performances in that movie are just top-notch. I don't think they've ever been better in those roles. Um, and the um, emergence of Daphne Keene as an actress, is she's great. And I can't wait to see more of her, either as an actress in general or just in her character of X-23. Um, I think the cinematography was beautiful. I love the Western theme. I've seen it in black and white, and it's amazing in black and white. Uh, I don't think I'll ever watch the color version again. Um and just the the whole the whole theme of like letting go and like finding family is always a big fun part of movies watching for me. So Logan is my number one. I just think it's just my favorite movie of the year. I know it's people are like torn because Hugh Jackman's getting the nominations for like Greatest Showman instead of Logan, which people are a little <laughs> upset about. Which my whole thing is Logan's a better film than Greatest Showman, but theatrical Hugh Jackman is my favorite Hugh Jackman. I would take singing and dancing Hugh Jackman over Wolverine Hugh Jackman any day of the week. And I think Hugh Jackman would take singing and dancing Hugh Jackman over Wolverine Hugh Jackman. He deserves to be theatrical. He's so good at it. Yeah. So let's um, dive into some of the other really likes that we were sent in uh, regarding movies. Sure. So Anya, who's up next? So we have Mike Silingal, who his really like of the year was War for the Planet of the Apes. Mike Sullingill here with my really like of 2017, which is War for the Planet of the Apes, the final entry in the rebooted Planet of the Apes trilogy. What I really love about this movie and this franchise is that it manages to be incredibly bleak to the point of cruelty, but that bleakness is underscored by thoughtful mediations on humanity, leadership, vengeance, and violence. Honestly, it's a real rarity to see a blockbuster franchise put this much stock in building genuine pathos and creating these kinds of dramatic stakes. Also, what Andy Serkis and the artists at What a Digital have done to push CGI to new emotional territory is just phenomenal, and it's definitely one of the more enriching experiences I've had at the movies all year. So that's my really like for 2017, and happy holidays, and Jai Bless. 
Oh, Mike. Oh, classic Mike. Um, (laughs) Yes, Jai bless, Mike. And bless your greatly worded and uh, really like for this year. I'm not surprised at all that he chose War for the Planet of the Apes. It's number four on my uh, number of uh, top 15 movies. I really liked it. I thought I agree with everything he says. I was there with Mike when he saw War for the Planet of the Apes, and it was like watching a child in a candy store. Sorry, Mike. <laughs> you were really excited, and I was sad that I couldn't That's be so as great. excited about it with you. And it's good to be excited about things. Yeah, like it did, I know we've, we've discussed the film. It didn't hit both of you. Or Anya, you haven't seen it. No, I actually only seen the whole trilogy. You seen the trilogy, but it didn't hit you as HD as hard as it did Mike or I. And, I, and we've talked about that, and I think I think there's, there's some... You have a really good like theory about like the movies of 2017 like logan is on that theory too mm-hmm. of, like these male-driven movies and, and like are not hitting they hit the, the men hard but like other people who are not like the target audience it's not as powerful for them yeah it comes from a very specific perspective which i think is starting to uh become less the universal perspective this mm-hmm. year which is why for me i wasn't quite as affected by it because we have had great female-driven films like Wonder Woman, uh, Lady Bird, Lady Bird uh, even The Shape of Water. So I've had a really great surge of, of movies that are geared specifically towards me, which is why I think that even great movies like War for the Planet of the Apes or Blade Runner 2049 um, that have great cerebral abstract stories just don't hit me quite as hard because I've had Wonder Woman in my life exactly. now. Exactly. <laughs> You've had you've had that the representation that me as a straight white man have had my entire life, exactly. and you're getting more more movies that are that you can relate to more. And now you're seeing these like big blockbusters, these male driven blockbusters, and you're going, yeah, yeah. I mean, they're good, but you're. Yeah. Speaking of female led films, I think we had another entry for a really like for a movie this year uh, that you just mentioned, Willoughby, Lady Bird, uh, yeah. and this one comes from Rebecca. Yes. So this is from Rebecca Fuger. Uh, She sent in her message, so we're going to read it just now. I really, really like Lady Bird. Definitely my favorite movie of the year, and like a lot of people, I saw it with my mom. It perfectly captured a very specific moment in my life, for better or for worse, where I was desperately trying to form my own identity, but wasn't always really sure how to do that. And sometimes that also meant I heard a couple people trying to figure that out. Now that I'm a bit older and can look back on that time with some affection and a lot of cringing, I can see now the mother's side as well and how much it can hurt to watch your child to go out into the world. It was so touching to go with my mom and see a certain conversation play out exactly on the screen that I once had with her and to know how much better it is after some growing pains. Basically, go see Lady Bird and get ready to get emotional. See it with with your mom if you can. That was from Rebecca Fuger. That was very lovely. That was lovely, and I I definitely had that same experience going to see Lady Bird. I saw it with my mom as well. I didn't have that same relationship that Laurie Metcalf and um, Saoirse Ronan's Ronan. characters had in Lady Bird, but I I could feel a lot of that sort of um, troubled relationship that a lot of people have with their parents. And uh, after the, the movie ended, my mom turned to me and was like, I like you because there's a line in the film where it's like, "Do you even like me?" And she's my mom's like, "Don't worry, I like you," which was a really sweet moment with me. That's so sweet. No, I was really happy about that. Um, so, you guys have any thoughts about Lady Bird? I, I it's number five on my top five, uh, top fifteen, and I I love it. It's so greatly, uh, greatly directed and well written. It's uh, I've haven't seen a lot of what Greta Gerwig has done in the past, 
but I can see, I know that she's, she was big in the mumblecore scene and like she was in Francis Ha and a lot of Noah Baumbach movies. And so I, she's taking what she's like developed her skills as an actress and as a, um, a director and writer and like has come full circle and created just a very excellently well done movie. Mm-hmm. I need to give one more shout out for movies. Um, just on a personal note, is that this year has been the year of Dan Stevens for me. <laughs> Slightly TV2 with Legion. But I just need to give a shout out because he has been my star of the year and that Dan Steven guys. Willoughby uh, can attest to my um, life choices in that instead of watching all the 2017 movies I need to be watching, I've been going through Dan Stevens' entire film canon. You watched a movie with a Rotten Tomato score of, what, 11? Yeah, and it was a terrible movie. Where but you, he's beautiful. But you could have seen Lady Bird. I could have, but I watched it while I was working, so oh. I technically couldn't have seen Lady Bird at the same time. Okay. But I did willingly watch a terrible movie for because him. he was in it. So what, you know that meme from The Office where it says X days since our last nonsense. How many days has it been since our last Dan Stevens mention? Reset the clock now. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I did watch the third night at the museum over Christmas because he plays Lancelot in it. All right, of course, eleven of days. Course. So, <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, do we have any more movies? Uh, people submissions, Anya. Mm-mm. Okay. Right. Do you guys have so, any last shoutouts for movies that you want to do? Um, I want to shout out uh, Colossal um, and uh. A ghost story because I don't think I've talked about a ghost story on the podcast or maybe I did. Did I talk about it? You have not. Um, I really liked the movie. I thought it was incredibly gorgeous and I love the way it was framed. It's shot in four by three and like the curved edges of the frame and it makes everything look like an old seventies photograph and Polaroid and it makes everything look timeless and you know even though it's set in the modern day you like look at it and you go that could have been like a Polaroid from nineteen seventy eight and I love it um, and I love the themes and the story it's telling and just the the, the idea of grief and loss and um, like longing and searching um, and I really just love how cerebral it gets. Um, Casey Affleck is in it, but he's under a sheet for ninety percent of the time, as the go as the uh, titular ghost in a ghost story. Um, and uh, yeah, I just really love it. And uh, Colossal, I think we talked about it on the podcast earlier this year. A great subversion of the like coming home and finding a nice guy trope of you know like the, the romantic comedies. Um, Jason Sudeikis plays a really great terrible person, um, and Anne Hathaway. Uh, no more Anne Hatha hate, okay? No more Anne Hatha hate. She's Anne Hatha hate was Never. was ridiculous from the beginning. Exactly, so. and she's great. Also, this... yeah. Also, Dan Stevens is in Colossal. Oh my god! <laughs> Holy shit, that's right. Um, I think this is the most Dan Stevens mentions that anyone has ever made in since like Beauty and the Beast. Since Beauty and the Beast, yeah. Um, but yeah, so yeah, Colossal and the Ghost Story. I want to shout out because I think we've talked about uh, all the other movies on my list. Um, okay. All right. Uh, so our next category is television and i think we can all agree that it's been a pretty great year for television Mm -hmm. uh so ht why don't you start us off what was your favorite thing on the small screen this year um so first i'm gonna go with some more international tv shows that i want to give a shout out to uh and that really helped me through some trying times i guess i would say first was goblin which was a movie that i kind of watched way back at the beginning of the year and what a movie a tv show k-drama to be specific. And it was this beautiful sort of fairy tale style 
uh, Korean drama starring Gang Yu, my favorite. He's beautiful, and uh, it has like themes of Cinderella story as well as just kind of this classic um, immortal sort of being who falls in love with a mortal girl who saves his life and saves his heart and that kind of thing. It's 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 a kind of cheesy show, but it was beautifully shot and it's one of the most aesthetically pleasing. Uh, series I've seen recently and was a show that kind of helped me during like the more um, wintry cold months especially because it was just like all this beautiful winter fashion but because it was so heartwarming and uh, I don't know I was like I wasn't going through depression at the beginning of last year but it was kind of bleak I don't know you could say like just a recession like, yeah recession like I get my usual sad sadness mm-hmm. seasonal affective disorder and that was something that was kind of light at the end of the tunnel for me, uh, watching this drama and having a lot of fun with it. And it's just, just returning to my K-drama, J-drama roots for a little bit. And then Terrace House, which was another sort of calming uh, TV series on Netflix. It's a Japanese reality show. I think I mentioned it before on this podcast, mm-hmm. where you just kind of watch a bunch of people living in a house, six people living in a house, and nothing, absolutely nothing happens. It's the most calming reality series I've ever seen. It's almost like if ASMR was a reality show. <laughs> That's basically it. I would just That's watch hilarious. it and be soothed and, you know, get really involved in the really mundane passive aggressive drama of this series. The most dramatic thing that happened was like um there was there are people who were sleeping in the living room and everyone's like, Hey, go sleep in your own bed. <laughs> this is a public space. And so I, it was a lot of fun, and um, I was watching it again last night, so it's, it's really in my mind. Other great TV shows, I really like The Good Place, which I know Willoughby also has on his list. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine was great this year. Um, what other great TV shows were there? Did you watch American Vandal? I loved American Vandal. Yes, I loved American Vandal, which was a big surprise to me because I expected it to be more of like this satirical um send up of true crime documentaries like serial and and whatnot but it ended up actually being quite a gut punch and almost a social commentary on like cliques and a public education and public system. Ed- the public education system and the pains of growing up so that was a surprise for me it's it was it's it's number one on my list of favorite tv shows of 2017 and i really loved how um it captured youth culture very well, mm-hmm. and just how teenagers act. Like, s- they, they were obviously they cast teenagers, yeah, but they cast them like as as if real people. They did such a great job of making them feel real that I I got lost in the fact that it was not a real documentary, yeah. even though it was basically a thirteen episode uh, series about a dick joke. It ended up being quite authentic. <laughs> so I I really enjoy Mer- American Vandal. I recommend everyone to go see it. Um, it's on Netflix. Yeah, it is on Netflix. The entire and there's gonna be a second season too. Yep, which I'm iffy on because I think it really did a great job of just mm-hmm. being its own thing. Yeah. For once. I also want to give a shout out to Crazy Ex Girlfriend, which has been phenomenal this year, uh, this yes. season specifically with its uh, portrayal of Rebecca Bunch's uh, mental illness and her sort of struggle with that, and also struggle with suicidal tendencies and everything. And it's gotten it's taken this trope uh, or like this sort of stereotype of this crazy ex and like those rom-com um sort of sexist stereotypes against women and just kind of brought it to another level in which it it actively and sensitively deals with mental illness and 
all those stereotypes that come with it and the stigmas that come with it. Anya, why don't you go next? Um, all right. So you mentioned a lot of good ones. Um, I have top two TV shows this year, but first I want to give a little shout out to um, Ash versus the Evil Dead on Stars. Um, I got into the whole Evil Dead franchise this year on a whim, basically watched the whole trilogy and then binged the Stars TV show. Um, and it surprised me how it's become one of those things this year that has really stuck with me in a way I didn't expect it to. Um, I really love Evil Dead. Uh, and the whole franchise, um, and I'm excited for the third season to come back next year. Um, it's a lot of fun, so continuing our mine and HD spiritual journey into horror. <laughs> um, but my top two TV shows this year are ones I've mentioned on the podcast before. I feel like, unsurprisingly, my number one TV show is American Gods, um, another Star series which went completely underappreciated this year, which is very upsetting. Um, it's brilliant um, and gorgeous and relevant and, you know, based on a book by my favorite author, Neil Gaiman. So, yeah, shout out to American Gods. And my other one is Planet Earth 2 because I think that an exciting documentary about how amazing our world is is especially relevant right now to kind of realize how special uh, our planet is and where we live and all the amazing things that it contains. So Planet Earth 2 really made an impact on me this year. Awesome. Um, so I've already talked a little bit about how much I love American Vandal. It's definitely my top TV show of the year. Um, shout out to Riverdale for just being buck wild. <laughs> um, just like all the time. Like, Legion, we mentioned, is also another buck wild TV show. Aubrey Plaza gave probably her best performance ever in that show. And I'm ex- I'm excited if she gets any awards for that, because I think she would gr- be great about that. American Gods, uh, Anya just mentioned, also love that. Um, the Leftovers, I know neither of you have watched it, but the finale like is it. amazing. Um, it will, it will um, if you're looking for that Damon Lindelof fix, the leftovers is that show for you. Um, it, he he learns from any mistakes he might have made with Lost and makes up just a perfect show. Um, it starts out slow. The first season is not great, but once it hits season two, it gets so much clearer and more interesting and fully enveloping, and I love it. Um, and then it's over now after three seasons, but that's unfortunate. But I can also see that they did it and like they they ended it before it got too weird, you know. Um, Shout out to season two of Master of None. I uh, love that season, that show, uh, everything that it, that Aziz Ansari is doing, and, t- and essentially taking the Woody Allen like genre and then making it inclusive um, and making it better too. Um, uh, the Flash musical episode. Uh, I think that the people have t- uh, talked about how the music in that show for that episode is not great but I I think it's great and I love the super friend song and I love the song that uh, Barry sings to Iris at the end of it when he proposes to her it it, uh, warms my heart and I have I bought the soundtrack and I've been listening to it all year so Um, and then shout out this is kind of it's a it's a stand-up show but Hasan Minaj's uh, comedy special Homecoming King I thought it was a great one-hour experience of him like retelling like his high school story and like his relationship with his parents um and uh being um uh 
of a, a person of color in uh, America, especially during 9-11, which was a very interesting time for him. Uh, it's so funny and heartbreaking and great, and he just he lays it all out on the table for all of us to pick up. Um, and it's so beautifully well shot, and he... he he talks to the audience as well as the camera, and it's very interesting because usually comedy specials they don't interact with the camera, and it's very it's at first unnerving because you're like whoa, he's and then talking to me. It's, he's talking to me, and then he, but then it's it it engrosses you and envelops you in a way that comedy specials don't normally for me, even though I I love listen, watching great comedy specials, but like this one like took it to a new level. Um, yeah. That's a lot of TV, but I love I love TV. So, what TV do our guests um, really likes like this year? Well, uh, so first off, we have Philippa who guested with us on our British media episode, um, and her really like of the year is the anime Yuri on Ice, which kind of took off this year and became a huge thing. Um, I also watched it and loved it. I really want to do a rewatch of it. Um, it's about a figure skater Yuri Katsuki who basically has a burnout in his career um, and, you know, comes back from that to be a stronger and better skater. And Philippa really loves it. Um, Because of that, the idea of like kind of reaching bottom and kind of being able to get yourself back up to your feet and to greater heights. Um, It's a lot about friendship and support and love, um, both romantic, platonic, familial, and she really likes it because it's such a positive show, and Yuri is a really relatable protagonist. Um, so, shout out to Yuri on Ice and Philippa. It is a really great anime. I really love it. I should check it out. Yeah, it's, so it'll like warm your heart. It just it makes you feel inspired and hopeful, and like you can do anything, which is what we all need. Um, and another TV shout out from one of our listeners is John Irons. Hi guys, uh, this is John Irons of the Cosmic Potato podcast. Um, My really like for 2017 was the Dust channel on YouTube. Um, It's a a collection of sci-fi short stories. Uh, They're usually between, usually about 10 minutes long, uh, sometimes as long as almost an hour. But uh, it's, it's, it's a nice mix of um, traditional sci-fi. Some are funnier, some are darker. A lot of kind of action-oriented. Um, some are really esoteric, and some are super simple. So it, it's a nice blend. Uh, you never really know what you're going to get from one to the other. They release, I think, two a week, and it's a nice um, little foray, like teeny tiny little Twilight Zones. Um, Fun fact, I initially fell in love as a kid with uh, sci-fi, not just from TV, but from uh, Gene Roddenberry's short stories, and this kind of reminds me of those. Uh, So that's it, Um, and I guess we'll hear you guys next year. This is cool. This is something I've never heard of before, but I like the idea of like a digital media version of the twilight zone yeah or like even but like more variable variable than uh black mirror which just had its season four premiere mm. looking at the the thumbnails they look really creepy i don't know if oh you. scary yeah Spooky. very horror oriented <laughs> i'm a big twilight zone fan so i would love to check this out aren't they remaking it with jordan peele producing they it? are yes. yeah that's gonna be fun. pumped it's gonna be great 
Cool. Okay. All right. So that is our TV category. Perfect. Next up, we have, for 2017, video games. Ooh. Now, I haven't played any video games since probably the days of Kingdom Hearts 2 and Final Fantasy X. That's not true. Because I remember you were quite obsessed this year with a certain video game called Dream Daddy. Oh, my God. (laughs) That took over your Twitter for a while. That did. um, Dream Daddy. Okay, HT, you got me. (laughs) My favorite video game of the year was Dream Daddy, which is a computer game um, where you create a dad and you date other single dads in the neighborhood. And you laugh. And, like, I thought it was a joke at first, too, but then you play it, and it's actually very deep and very emotional and very sweet it's just like i would play with my roommate and we would literally like out loud like squeal and sigh and like because it's very like affirming and like heartwarming and it it, i know it sounds ridiculous but if you play it you'll realize how genuine it is like it's not a joke i've actually been very tempted to download it because i've been watching videos of people playing it i'm like it just seems like a fun sweet enjoyable time like pure good fun it is it's very pure and so if you need just like just some like goodness like dream daddy is what you go for also hugo the teacher dad is number one dad always (laughs) for me i'd probably go for vampire dad (laughs) (gasps) okay he's also a sweetheart and he has like this little like secret i can't tell you it's very adorable he's spoiler alert for dream daddy (laughs) yes oh lord okay so what other um, video games have our users, or not users, I guess, I've been playing listeners. Uh, Animal Crossing, oh. the Pocket Camp, the um, the mobile version of Animal Crossing that came out right around Thanksgiving. Um, my girlfriend was playing it while we were down in South Carolina, and I downloaded it at the same time. And I, it was, it's so relaxing, and you get to, like, interact with a bunch of, like, anthropomorphic animals. And you get to, like, if you guys have ever played the Animal Crossing game on you on GameCube, it's basically that, but you're the manager of a campsite. Mm-hmm. And uh, you go around, and you do basically the same stuff. as like you, you get them, like, if they're asking for, like, a certain amount of items, you go and search and find those items. Um, you can go fishing, you can, you know, pick up seashells by the beach, you can pick apples off of a tree, you can, um, dig, if you get five, if you get five friends to help you dig, you can unlock, like, a, like a, like a timed location that you can go in and get, like, gold and diamonds and get money, you can trick out your campsite, you can trick out your, your RV that you get, um, it's a lot of fun. It's really cute. Um, they had a Christmas theme going on, so I, I was dressed up like Santa Claus for a really long time. Um, and it, the campsite's actually like all snowy. It's really fun. It's like a ski lodge now. Um, so, and you can do like they have like a lot of like it's like Pokemon Go. You know, it's very fun, and you don't have to do a lot. It's actually a lot less stressful than Pokemon Go because you don't have to worry about <laughs> like catching a Pikachu at all. You can just like do what you want to do. Um, Question: Was Pokemon Go this this year or last year? Last 20, year, twenty sixteen. Remember, it was the one glimmer of hope in that dying light. Was it? Because it, I knew that was not going to last. It, Pokemon for, Go like came and one went month, in like a blink. We, for, for one month, we had a world peace. Remember, remember <laughs> when we remember when we had a whole episode about Pokemon Go? Yeah, remember we were yeah. like, "This is going to change the world," and then <laughs> nope. it didn't. Hey, it got um, some people to exercise for a little bit. It did. Um, I was not dating my girlfriend at the time playing Pokemon Go, but we did go on quote-unquote Pokemon Go dates. Aww. So um, we went around the mall. Brought some joy to people. It was, it, it was, it was still, it's still great. Um, and they've released more Pokemon since. Uh, so we HD, have a couple... do you have... Sorry? HD, no. have you played any video games I have games not played any video games. I've contemplated getting into them again, mm-hmm. but I just have not had a, a lot of time. time. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, my girlfriend and I bought a PS4 for uh, it was there was a Black Friday deal, hundred dollars mm. off. And for Christmas, I got ba- Star Wars Battlefront Two and Horizon Zero Dawn, oh. and she got a bunch of video games too that um, she's excited to play, like Assassin's Creed and Persona Five and Final Fantasy Fifteen. So, like, we got our. I'm gonna get back into video games, and it's gonna be fun. All right. Speaking of Persona Five, over your life. Speaking of Persona Five, I think one of our uh, listeners, I really like guests for this week, for this year, is a uh, has Persona Five as exactly. their really like. So why don't yeah, we- Michael Conti. Why don't we take a listen? Hey, Millennials, this is Mike Conti, and the 2017 pop culture thing I really liked is the PS4 game Persona 5, a game where you lead a group of Japanese high school misfits moonlighting as vigilantes called the Phantom Thieves, who fight evil spirits in a supernatural realm with the elemental powers of their own Persona avatars in order to steal the hearts of the game's various antagonists, um, who range from a teacher who's sexually assaulting his students to corrupt members of law enforcement uh, and a populist politician trying to take over the government. Sound kind of familiar? Um, although it takes place in a near-future Tokyo rendered in this super cool street art style with a really killer soundtrack, the game's more mature themes I found easily resonated with me as an American after such a tumultuous year. Um, as the protagonist splits his time between like the polished, really strategic and fun battle system uh, and social activities in the real world with you know his different friends, uh, the game explores how its villains are really enabled by everyone around them in a society that really just turns a blind eye. Uh, the game's main flaw is how it's sometimes evolved into just a heterosexual schoolboy fantasy, but overall it's a really fascinating, fun, and really gripping game, and there's also a cool talking cat named Morgana. That's wild. Uh, I think I'm kind of sold on Persona 5 know, now, I'm actually. I'm so glad my, go- my girlfriend bought that, so that way we can, bl- we can, uh, we can play that, because that game sounds buck wild! <laughs> that game sounds too real for me. Like, I don't think I could play that right now, because it's we no, the, I feel like I feel like it would just give me anxiety. We watched the trailer for it, and it actually like the cutscenes are like true anime. Hmm. Like it's like they they did like an anime, and then just did video games to it as well. Um, so I'm very excited to either watch my girlfriend play that or play it as well. Um, That's a bit too horrifying. For yeah. Me. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, what's the next video game on our uh, really likes? So, we have one more really like uh, for video games, and that comes from our listener, Diana Castillo. Hey, everyone. Uh, This is Diana, and my really, really like for 2017 has to be the Mass Effect video games. Um, I... Play, start, I played Mass Effect Andromeda for the first time uh, this spring, and I really loved it. Despite what the critics were saying, I loved the right. I loved the characters. Um, I loved uh, the galaxy that it introduced, and then I fell headfirst into the original trilogy, and I've just been playing that uh, ever since. Um, I raced through my first playthrough and now I'm replaying it and just I really love the characters um the storytelling is really good other than the end um but yeah I highly recommend the Mass Effect trilogy and it's been a lot of fun getting to explore uh that galaxy and that universe so I don't know much about Mass Effect, but I know it's very popular. I have been on the periphery periphery of playing Mass Effects for about seven years now because I have um, a few friends back home in Connecticut who've um, played it and I've actually played like, the first couple levels. Mm-hmm. And I can totally see why people love the game because it's very it's very much in the in the in the likes of playing like 
a Star Wars type game because there, there's a lot of world building, a lot of mythology to it, um, and a lot of space, a lot of good space. Um, oh, what's his name? Seth Green is in it. He plays the pilot of the ship, um, and he's he. It, they rendered him to the character to make it look like Seth Green, so it's kind of fun. It's all it's, it's and he's very Joker. I think his name is Joker, <laughs> uh, if anything. So it's very funny. Um, well, he's very funny, and then the, I've heard very good things about the game. I've also heard it goes wild buck wild you might say buck wild maybe <laughs> buck wild it's the word of the episode it is the word of the episode i can also test how much diana loves it because she frequently messages me about it and i'm like i have literally never played this game in my life or seen a second of it but she'll just message me and i'll be like uh-huh yep and i will just like <laughs> indulge how much she loves it because it's great it's pe- things that make people happy make me happy Yay. so even if i have no idea what she's talking about i'm like just lay it on me like Tell me how excited you are. I know, because I remember when I was talking to you about American Vandal, you hadn't seen any of it, and you're just like, I'm just gonna let him go. This is crazy. <laughs> we ended, I ended up coming, uh, we ended up theorizing about the show together, Willoughby and I, and I never seen it. Right. Ted, and now we Ted, have a whole theory. Ted Cruz did it. He, he yeah, did it's Ted Cruz. Ted Cruz yeah. through the dick. Yeah. Of course. Um, okay, so I think that's it for video games. That is, and so our next topic, we have uh, three more categories for an even six, and the next one is music. Sure. Alright, so I just want to do a little shout out to music. It's not something I really follow. It's something that, you know, I love listening to music and I like what I like, but I don't follow new releases and award shows for music. Um, But this year, um, a specific genre of music has had a really big impact on me, and that is pop. Specifically, um, girl pop. Um, Anything that's, like, very positive for women and positive for the queer community. Um, So, Little Mix, Carly Rae Jepsen, and Haley Seinfeld. Um, have done a lot for me this year. I actually wrote an article about this for Gay Star News for kind of an end-of-year thing because this pop music gave me kind of a space where I felt more confident as a woman um, and as a bisexual woman, and I felt like I had this kind of space where it was all positive and all very uplifting and kind of powerful and I can do anything and girls run the world, that sort of thing. Um, So my girl pop this year was pretty special to me um and it's something that i will always turn on if i ever just need to pick me up so shout out to little mix carly ray and Haley steinfeld cut to the feeling is a great song it is a great song Haley steinfeld is doing really well recently too i yeah. liked her Dude, um, most girls that most jam girls is song. Still, like, yeah. song. Mm-hmm. oh that song gets me and then little mix's whole album their most recent album glory days like power and shout out to my ex all some really great songs so for me, you guys know what kind of music I like, and it's been it's been K-pop this year, but less so because Big Bang is on the verge of enlisting, and that's been a really sad moment for me. Yeah. But I've had a sort of reawakening of my love for Utare Akaru, his who is more J- J-pop, and which who some of you are familiar with because of her work with the Kingdom Hearts series. Uh, she had a return to the music scene after eight years. Um, and uh, it was with her fil- her album Phantom, which came out last year. So that was sort of a 2016 thing. But she had a couple new singles this year, like Forevermore and Anata, which were both really great. And I just I just love that she's back in my life and releasing things consistently. Yay. So I'm really happy about that. And um, K-pop wise, I've been expanding more beyond Big Bang. So, but they're still my number one. But I really like the group Winner now, who is a, a label mate of Big Bang, and they're kind of more. Um, mid-tempo, up, 
upbeat pop than Big Bang is, and they're really sweet and have a a good sort of mellow um, tone to their to their songs, which I really like. And they all re- they're all really cute. They're so cute. Fun. And they're they're younger than me, not that much though. They're like the same age as me, um, but they're not as older as much older as Big Bang is, who are like three four years older than me. Right. So you've got some time before they have to enlist. Yeah, winner. They're like the same age as me. One of them is is the same age, and he's pretty cute. We could we could date. You know, we could date if we wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> if both parties consented to that. If both parties consented. Um, what about you, Willoughby? Anything in music that you really like this yeah, year? Yeah, um, I really liked Melodrama uh, by Lord, her mm. new album, uh, her follow-up to her 2013 album, Heroin. Um, I think all the songs are really great on that. Uh, sh- uh, with a shout-out to Supercut, um, because film supercuts are kind of my thing. Love that. So it's, it's fun. Um, and then uh, my other top album is Kesha's new album Rainbow uh she had just banger after banger on that album and I love it uh with my favorite song is probably uh Let Em Talk which is the second song on the album um and I'll have to say it but Reputation by Taylor Swift is pretty good I like it (laughs) I did listen to that album it's Mm -hmm. fine I liked it it's it's got (laughs) it's got everything I need for like a Taylor Swift album and like big pop sounding music so I will say her B sides are better than her tracks, her singles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the uh, look what the well, look what you made me do is not her best song on the album. Uh, so I have very complicated feelings about her, but I yeah. still don't think anything. I still don't think anything will top 1989 in terms of like just like good oh, music. No. Yeah, that's been her. 1989 best. is a better album, I think, in general. Um, but I liked what she was doing with Reputation. Um, yeah, I definitely, and I also think her the B sides are better. Yeah. I, 1989 for me was her best album, and mm-hmm. she just feels like she's trying too hard to do something edgy and different with Reputation, but... Agreed. <laughs> um, yeah, so those are mine. I think we have a submission for music. We do. We have a submission from our listener, Justin Horowitz. So Justin wrote in um, about a music video by the uh, by the um, uh, performer's, performer's Haim. Uh, Valentine, and so he writes, Valentine, with musical performances from the band Haim, is a short film directed by Paul Thomas Anderson. Uh, you may know him from Boogie Nights and, uh, his most recent film, Phantom Thread. Uh, that not only showcases their exciting recording process for their recent album, Something to Tell You, but that also might come the closest to capturing Anderson's unabashed joy and love for life since Magnolia, one of his first films. Apart from cinematic tricks, filming on 35mm, color-coded lighting, etc., it oddly enough represents Anderson at his most restrained, trusting his characters, in this case, the three sisters, Alana, Este, and Danielle, that comprise this band. There's such a vitality to their music that is remarkably at its most resonant when we see that passion on their faces and through the way they play the music, whether it's Danielle's roaring guitar at the beginning of Nothing's Wrong, or Alana's In the Middle of Right Now, or Alana and Este's thundering drums on the latter, or Danielle's drums on Something to Tell You. The album where these songs are from is great. Their performances, The performance of these three th- songs is even greater. Thank you, Justin, for that submission about um, a short film by Paul Thomas Anderson. I haven't seen it. Have you I, guys seen it? I have seen it. It's really good. It's actually, it's quite subdued, like uh, Justin says. It's just the three of them performing live, and the only camera movement really is just kind of going around them slowly, like a sort of dolly, and then, um, but everything else is like very just 
um, stark, and it's just them in the recording studio playing, and it's good. It's the it's the music is great. I like Haim a lot. I haven't mm-hmm. listened to a lot of their songs, but they are really talented sisters, and um, the short film is great. It's just. It's just a good way of showcasing their three talents in music. Yeah, and the way that Justin has described the music video, I can totally see Paul Thomas Anderson doing that because mm-hmm. uh, I've seen his most recent films. I've seen most of his films. He very much likes likes long takes, likes action that takes place during those takes, and um, like there will be blood is very subdued but also very powerful. Anya, uh, have you listened I've to any? I've not seen it. Um, again, I'm music is not my forte, mm-hmm. so. Things happen. That's a funny pun. That's a good pun. I don't even mean puns (laughs) ever. That's fun. Forte. (laughs) I have a very love-hate relationship with puns, and then I say them. I have a love-love relationship with puns. Yeah, you really do. (laughs) Well, there you go. There's a pun for you, HD. Thank you. Music is not my forte. I love it. Okay. um... (laughs) All right. So that is it for music in 2017. (laughs) Um... Let's move on to our next category, which is books. Woohoo! So, what do you guys like in the world of literature this year? So, I'll go first. Um, I and on your, this may be on your list too, but I'm going to steal. Actually, both of these things are probably on your list, but I'm going to steal them if you want to talk about them at the same time. Um, the first one is Neil Gaiman's Norse mythology book, uh, which I really love because they, they take his ta- uh, the tales of North mythology that I've not grown up reading, but I've definitely, um, uh, read them. I went to Norway 10 years ago and I took, and I bought a couple of Norse mythology story books and I've read them and I really like the tales and I really love Neil Gaiman's spin on them. His, his voice is in every story and I can just hear him like giving a reading of one of these tales when I'm reading his book. Um, the second book is uh, a book by Johnny Sun called Everyone's an Alien When You're an Alien Too. <laughs> I've talked about the this. Anya's talked about thing. this. It's the purest book I've ever read. It's so cute and so heartwarming and so heartbreaking and also lesson-giving because, like, a lot of things I've felt in my life, the book, like, pronounced in, like, a, such a way that I've never put to words. Um, yeah, like leaving- if you guys need, like, hope for, like, the world and just where we live definitely read this book like there's a moment where he talks about like people might not be in your lives as much as you want them to be but remember to you know to live it up with them as much as you can because you never know when you're not going to be with them uh because i had um like this nerd camp i went to 10 years ago at au um when i was in high school and i met these cool people and i only knew them for two weeks but lifelong friendships were made after that and like i just remember leaving that day like leaving AU, going back to Connecticut during the summer, and just, like, my heart immediately broke because I realized I didn't get to say goodbye to so many of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and th- this book really put that into, like, words that I never really... I, I I felt the emotions, but I never felt the words. And so this book is so good. Um, HT, have you gotten a chance to read it yet? I haven't yet. I didn't get to buy it yet, but I, I'm a big fan of um, Johnny Sun's Twitter account. Oh, so he's good. so funny, and he's so smart. Um, and... I'm, he's had a profile in the New York Times for him, which was really, mm-hmm. it's a really he's interesting going on a book rise of fame. Going to be in DC. Yeah, really. Mm-hmm. He's about our age, our age too, yeah. so he's really young. Yeah, he's going to be in politics and prose in March, I believe. Mm, we should go see that. Yeah. Um, so I guess I'll go next for my book. Um, my favorite book that I've read this year uh, is probably 
La, La Belle Sauvage, which is the first in the Book of Dust trilogy by, by Philip Pullman, who wrote the His Dark Materials series, which was uh, The Golden Compass, The Subtle Knife, and The Amber Spyglass, which is one of my favorite uh, fantasy series growing up. And La Belle Sauvage definitely lives up to that expectation. Um, it sort of similarly deals with more uh, heady themes like dark matter and um, the possibility of fates and alternate universes and everything like that. Um, but also it comes from a different perspective. This time it's sort of like a more um, singular uh, adventure story between uh, the main character and um, a girl that he sort of gets enroped and in, in, gets uh, roped into the story. So it follows um, an 11-year-old boy, Malcolm Polstead, who uh, it lives near this nunnery, which is the nunnery that takes in Lyra, who is the main character of the His Dark Material series. And he becomes sort of enamored with her and wants to take care of her and everything. But then there's a lot of conspiracy brewing to like both kidnap her and sort of use her for their own gain from like different organizations because she's been prophesied to have some sort of role in like the end of the world and that kind of thing. And um, it ends up being just kind of this very simple sort of chase story um but it's it's really well written the action is great and it's a very relatively simple story compared to like what we've seen in the his dark materials um movies or books sorry not the movies oh, i wish um new tv show coming though yeah yes. we'll see so i i like it a lot i really like the return to that world that we see uh, that we were introduced to in um his his dark materials and it was just like coming home for me and i yeah. i'm happy to that phil pullman has still got it because there are some of my favorite children's authors for example like Owen Culfer who kind of doesn't really evolve past what made him so popular like his writing style and everything he always kind of seems to write for children whereas phil pullman writes intelligently and for an audience that he knows is mature and smart and mm -hmm. i really appreciated that so um la belle sauvage from the book of dust i highly recommend i think that's why i, I did double double down on that one mm -hmm. um i actually haven't read it yet. i got it for christmas so i haven't read it yet um, but as a big His Dark Materials fan, along with HT, I'm so excited to read it. Now, HT, you have me even more, like, eager to read it. Yay. Um, so for me, um, I read a couple books this year that I really loved. Um, I loved Hillary Clinton's What Happened, as heartbreaking as it was. Um, I've mentioned it before, but Rick Riordan's Magnus Chase series, which had a new book come out this year. Um, but my big thing is less about a specific book and more... Um, about a common topic here, and that is Neil Gaiman. It has been the year of Neil Gaiman for me. Um, just kind of in a, I mean, beyond um, meeting him, which was obviously, like, the best thing of the year, um, I had kind of, like, started prioritizing reading less over the past few years, and kind of seeing him speak in March, and then meeting him, and American Gods happening, I feel like I've kind of found my love of reading again like, my kind of passion for it, and I've been reading a lot more this year um, and prioritizing it more, and um, I think that's all thanks to him. And he's just one of my favorite human beings on this whole planet. So I'm just, like, really happy that we have Neil Gaiman, guys. Yay! There are still some good things in life. I agree with that. I'm so jealous that you got to meet Neil Gaiman, and I agree, too, that 
I've refound my love of reading, and it's become a nice sort of reprieve from staring at the screen all the time and watching movies and TV. So reading has become become kind of that quiet moment for me, and I wish that I could meet also meet my favorite authors like you and have that. Sort of spark reignited. I've also been reading more in the past couple months. I'm glad. I've been getting into uh, the the Star Wars canon books that have come out. Like a lot of books have come out in the past year that I've been waiting to get to. So I've been going through that on my commute to work on my Kindle. So what's our next category, Anya? So our next and final category is miscellaneous. Yay! Yay! The things we really like this year but don't really fit neatly into And they may be more broad categories. Mm-hmm. Um, so we got a few submissions from our listeners um, about this category, so why don't we start with them? Sure. Um, why don't we go with my best friend, Geet. With 2017, we're seeing a wide net of storytelling and it's definitely not unique to this year. But the magnitude has been different. Um, We've definitely seen it in 2016 and possibly 2015. And it's these different perspectives that we've never considered or heard of before. And I think people are realizing that, hey, this is amazing for pop culture as a whole. Um, I always think of Alan Yang's speech at, I think, the Critics' Choice Awards, where uh, he said, Thank you to all straight white guys who dominated movies and TV for so hard and so long that stories about anyone else seem kind of fresh and original and that's what we're seeing right now and i like it i think that's probably my favorite thing about this year i'm seeing more brown guys as a brown guy myself on television in movies it's awesome i saw a brown guy in star wars in 2016 and i saw some more brown people in in, in american television in 2017 that's awesome I could hear him getting excited during that recording. Yeah. Clapping his hands and whatnot. That's so cool. I'm so happy for I think um, before we dive into this one, we had another submission similar to that. um, And why don't we share that one? Yeah. And then we can kind of discuss them. So So this one comes from our listener, Madeline. Yes. So uh, Madeline Tarini. Uh, I, and she writes, I really like that cinema is proving movies with non-white and slash cisgender male characters can, as leads... Uh, are able to be critically acclaimed for box office hits. It's taken way too long, but we need even more in 2018. Also, shout out to HT G Dragon for life. She ships. <laughs> Thanks, yes. Madeline. Yeah, I, I completely agree with both Geet and Madeline. The amount of diversity um, in terms of gender and race and sexual identity, um, all of that has been really optimistic this year and really something that has kind of like you said ht pop culture has kind of been a reprieve for all of us this year and i think especially in terms of seeing ourselves more on screen has been really powerful yeah especially this year in terms of lgbt representation last year we had one major lgbt movie that went on to win the oscar for best picture which was moonlight and this year we've we've had so many contenders uh for big uh Oscar categories that are just sweeping both critically and um, audience-wise, uh, like um, Call Me By Your Name, The Shape of Water to an extent. Um, yeah, Richard Jenkins. Richard Jenkins. Really great in Shape um, of Water. Beach Rats. Uh, what else? The Battle of the Sexes. So there's been just there's just so much representation this year, and it's just it's really um, it's 
really encouraging and inspiring to see that. Agreed. Yay! So we have one final submission from one of our listeners, and that would be the lovely Leah Sense. So what did she really like this year? Hi, guys. It's Leah. Uh, So my really like was very difficult to nail down this year because it was so hard to choose just one piece of media, whether that was a movie or a book or an album or a show. Uh, And so I cheated a little bit this year and decided to choose a place instead. And that place is Disneyland. Which seems odd when you consider that I live and work in Walt Disney World, but Disneyland was a brand new experience for me this year. And actually, when I looked back on my year, I realized that all of my best memories with all of my best people were in Disneyland. So, Disneyland, I really, 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 really like you. Aw, that was was really sweet, Leah. Yeah. And the people that she was mentioning specifically is Anya about her yeah there were other friends there but she came out to Disneyland twice this year and I was there both times um and I think we all know how much I love Disneyland yes so I can definitely get behind this really like Disneyland is the best place in the world so I need to go again actually I've never been to Disneyland in California I've never been to land I've been to world yeah guys we're I'm gonna, out here. We're going to visit time. We're going to do the Millennial Falcon does Disneyland. Ooh, it's like all and those, I'm gonna, it's all the TGIF ABC sitcoms in the 90s who went to, who did free Disneyland trips for all their cast members. Exactly. And they did like a, t- a TV show episode there. Like Full House and Boy Meets World both did Disneyland Exactly, exactly. Disney Maybe not free, but you'll have a free tour guide in Anya, Yay! who is the resident Disneyland guru. I would love to come and get a free guide for free tour guide from you i would also just like to visit los angeles because i've never done that i don't think i have either (gasps) guys i'm here you are that is where you are (laughs) (laughs) anytime just say the word you could also come back to dc come back to dc anya i know i want to yeah well in this new year perhaps we will visit some new friends and some old Cool. That's <laughs> sentimental. Positive yeah. outlook for 2018 and a great way to end our episode, our last episode of 2017 and our 100th episode. Woo. Thanks so much for being on this journey with us, guys. Yeah, thank you so much for submitting your really likes. And if you have your own really likes, of course, that you never got to submit, please tell us on our Twitter and social media. And we'll get back to you in 100 episodes. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. 100 more. It'll, that'll be another two years, I think, Yeah, right? it, it's been roughly, we've been doing this for roughly two over two years now. Oh, and it's so crazy. It's amazing. We've I done 100 episodes. Like we've done over 100 hours of content. This is crazy. I love it. I love you guys. Oh, I love you guys, well, too. <laughs> I love you guys. And if you guys also love us, where can they come find us to tell us, Willoughby? Well, you can find us on Facebook if you search for us there. We're also on Twitter, at Falcon Podcast, if you uh, go to our Twitter handle there. We're all, our blog is millennialfalconpodcast.wordpress.com. We're on SoundCloud, where you can listen to us. We're also on iTunes and Google Play, where you can rate, review, and subscribe. So please do that. And a special announcement. We've got a special announcement. We're doing a a monthly bonus series of the Millennial Falcon. Not called the Millennial Falcon. It's a spinoff, but it's going to be in the same feed, so you don't need to resubscribe to anything new. It's going to be once a month. 
called The Big Binge. And HT, why don't you give a little synopsis about so it? So The Big Binge is going to be me, Willoughby, and uh, guest host Rebecca Fuger, who guested once previously on the Millennial Falcon for our Buffy the Vampire Slayer episode. We are going to be marathoning various TV shows and reacting to them. So essentially uh, giving a breakdown of are these TV series that we're going to be analyzing and uh, choosing to see, and it'll be a lot of fun. Our first episode uh, will be tackling the first season of Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, uh, but we'll be doing old and new series alike, uh, current and canceled. So if you have any suggestions that you want for, uh, for us to cover in the big binge, please let us know at the aforementioned email or Twitter or Facebook accounts. And we will be setting up Facebook and Twitter accounts for the big binge as well. So you can, uh, you can get your, just, if you only for some reason want to be just the big binge, you're good there. But, um, I'm very excited for it because I love binging television. Um, and Rebecca, when she was on the Buffy podcast episode, she really loved doing it. So we figured we, we get that gang back together and, uh, do a monthly, a monthly series. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, we hope, you know, we already have a lot of TV shows planned, and so we already have a couple years worth of content ready to go, but I'm excited. I'm yeah. very excited. It's a little daunting for me, because I don't, I'm not as good at, bi- at binging as you and Rebecca are, so yeah. I have to get caught up quickly. And Anya, of course, will be showing up from time to time on these episodes as yeah. well. As and she I'm super fits. excited to listen to it. It's going to be great. I am less of a binger, so it'll be fun to... Yeah experience it as a listener like i'm i don't want to consider myself good at binging but i think i'm pretty good i would good. say you're good i did binge 275 episodes of cheers in 50 oh, days which is roughly five episodes a night um so i did that <laughs> that's a yeah lot. no i would say you're a, a pro binger yeah, pro this binger. is like the perfect series for you yeah so i'm very excited um we're gonna be doing like uh, depending on the type of show, we'll, we'll do like one um, season a month. So, and we might we might double up for longer shows. Like, if some shows had like seven seasons, we might double up and do two seasons a month, depending on what we want to do, depending on the length of episodes and size of episodes. Um, but um, feel free to like binge with us. Yeah, and. Awesome. Um- so, where can they find you guys on the internet? You can find me at htranbui on Twitter. You can find me at Anya Crittenton on Twitter. And you can find me at Willoughby Dobbs on Twitter. All right. Thanks for joining us, guys. And we'll see you in the new year. And praise for another 100 episodes. Yay! Bye! Bye. Bye.